When we celebrate the feast of one of the four evangelists, it's good for us to step back and just thank God for the great gift of the Gospels. It's one of the greatest gifts that we have in the church, the Bible in general, but the four Gospels in particular are just extraordinary gifts of, of, uh, of Jesus Christ to us. It, the four Gospels, you could say, are four letters of recommendation for Jesus Christ. Four letters of recommendation. And, uh, you know, if you, you had, let's say, a student at Jesuit High School, uh, a young man who wants a football scholarship at Boston College, which is a Catholic Jesuit university, he, he, when he's applying to Boston College, he might ask his football coach, his uh, campus minister, and his science teacher, each to write a letter of recommendation to Boston College. Well, each of these, the football coach, the science teacher, and the, and the campus minister, they're each going to write a letter about this young man that's going to be a bit different, aren't they? One of them's going to talk about his religious devotion at the, at the Kairos retreat. Another is going to talk about how good he is on the football field. The third is going to talk about what a science genius he is. They're not telling contradictory stories, but they are telling different stories, aren't they? Giving us a different perspective of the same person. Well, the four evangelists are doing that. These four evangelists are each trying to give you their letter of recommendation for Jesus. And they're giving you a little bit different picture of Jesus. And unfortunately, we tend to read the Gospels in little bits and pieces, and we, we weave them together in a way that really wasn't meant to be by the authors. Every now and then we have to step back and ask, what is Matthew trying to tell us about Jesus? What is Luke trying to tell us about Jesus? And so forth. So what might Matthew be trying to tell you? What would that letter of recommendation look like? Well, I think Matthew, more than any others, this is what uh, the, the best scholarly guesses are, that Matthew is writing to a very Jewish audience, and he's trying to convince uh, his audience that, that, Matt, that Jesus is uh, the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies, that, that Jesus is, is the Messiah in the line of David, and that Jesus is the new Moses. And you see it throughout the Gospel of Matthew, and it's quite lovely. For example, far more than the other three Gospels, Matthew is constantly giving references to the Old Testament as it was, as it said, according to the prophets. And then it will tell you a quote from the prophet and tell you how what Jesus is doing is the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. The book of Matthew, of course, begins with the genealogy. Luke's genealogy goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. Matthew's general ge genealogy goes back to who? Abraham, the father of the Israelite people. So he's trying to show that Jesus is the Israelite Messiah. And he's also trying to show that Jesus is the new Moses. How does he do that? Well, we see Jesus coming out of Egypt, just like the Israelites did, just like Moses led the, the Israelite people out of Egypt across the, uh, across the, the Jordan River, I mean, across the Red Sea, rather, and, and through the desert for 40 years. So, so Jesus comes out of Egypt, the Holy Family flees to Egypt, and then they come back. And then, then of course, Jesus crosses uh, the Jordan in the way that, 
that uh, Moses crossed uh, the, the uh, Red Sea. And then as the Israelites spend 40 years in the desert, Mo Jesus spends 40 days in the desert. He's trying to say that this is the new Moses, if you will, the divine Moses. It, Moses goes up the mountain to get the new covenant and the law and bring it down. Jesus goes up the mountain and he gives the Sermon on the Mount, huh? where he gives us, if you will, the new law, the new covenant, uh, the new instruction from, from the Lord. And so we see again and again that, that Jesus is the new Moses. Jesus, like Moses, delivers us from slavery. He gives us the new teaching and the new covenant. One of the wonderful things about Matthew, though, is that, that some of the other Jewish Christians maybe resisted doing, but Matthew was very firm about this, is that, yes, he's, he's the fulfillment of the Israelite Messiah, but he's here for the whole world. And Jesus, Matthew's very clear about that. Uh, he, he starts out with the Israelites, right? So in the, right smack in the middle of the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus sends out the apostles and he says, do not go beyond the borders of Israel. Stay within the Israelite people. That's what he says halfway through Matthew's gospel. By the end of Matthew's gospel, the Great Commission, the resurrected Christ says, go out to all the nations. So we start in Israel and then we explode to all the nations, which is prophesied by the three wise men coming from all the different parts of the world and worshiping before Jesus. So we get a, a glimpse of the end with the three wise men. We start in Israel at the, at the middle of Matthew's gospel, and we end by going out to the whole world. What does any of this mean for us and for our own spirituality? I think Matthew would exhort us to recognize Jesus as the fulfillment of a 2,000-year-old plan from Abraham to the birth of Christ, that, that the Trinity was working through this salvific plan for 2,000 years to bring us to Jesus. And then beyond that, the 2,000 years since then, that Jesus goes out to all the world, every corner of the world, to save the world from our own enslavement and to bring us into the promised land. Thank you.